Hello, everyone. My name is Brendan Marr. The noise you're hearing is my ventilator, and welcome to Mando Mondays. Yes, it's been a long time. We have finally returned with a spoiler review of Mandalorian Chapter 17 The Apostate. This is the first episode of Season 3. Uh, so let's dive right in. So I'm just going to go through each sequence and give some of my thoughts on it. All right, folks. So we open with the sound of the hammer. It's the armor. She is taking a piece of metal and making a Mandalorian helmet. Now, by the way, this is a spoiler review. So if you have not watched the episode, Go and watch the episode. And then come and listen to this episode. So we start immediately with the armorer forging something. And this immediately gives us our theme. The theme that occurred. The theme that has been running through the Mandalorian. And the Book of Boba Fett is that you can reforge yourself. You do not have to be. What you are is not predetermined. We saw this with IG-11 when Quill reprogrammed him. And he had to rebuild himself from the ground up to go from being an assassin droid to a nurse droid. We see this with Boba Fett. He loses everything. And has to rebuild himself from the ground up. We've seen this all throughout Mandalorian. This idea of you can reforge and reshape yourself. And I love that this episode, this season, began with the armorer doing that. Of shaping a piece of metal. So, we discover that this is an initiation of a young Mandalorian. There's some ritual going on. They're on, um, they're on some kind of planet, and they're near a lake. And the kid is standing at the shore, and the armor presents him with his helmet, and then has him swear the creed. To never take it off in front of other people. And, you know, this is the way and all that stuff. Just as they're about to complete the ceremony, a large alligator-like creature attacks. Paz Vizla, who's the, uh, the big Mandalorian, leads the attack against the creature. But the Mandalorians are having no luck against it. And now there's more Mandalorians with the armor than there were in the Book of Boba Fett. And we learned about that because when Bo-Katan returned to her people without the Darksaber, they all said, screw you, and they went away. It looks like some of them joined the Children of the Watch which is the group that Mando used to belong to, which is the group that we're seeing right now. 
So they're having no luck against the creature. But then, who should arrive? Mando himself, Din Djarin, flies in in his souped-up in his souped-up Naboo Starfighter and destroys the creature. You know, guts flying everywhere. It's kind of gross. And then he lands and we see that Grogu is with him. Now, what this represents to me is that the Mandalorians of the Children of the Watch were stuck in their old ways, stuck in following the dogma of the old Mandalorian creed, or at least their own interpretation of it. They are unable to fight this threat. The only person who can defeat the threat to them is somebody who has broken the rules. It's someone who has been willing to change. Mando went from being a heartless bounty hunter to a dad. He had to reforge himself, just as I was talking about with the helmet. It all dials down to the idea of you can change who you are. You do not have to be set in your ways. And the children of the watch and the armorer are set in their ways. And I think even though Mando wants redemption for being kicked out of the Mandalorian Children of the Watch. The armorer kicked him out because he took off his helmet in front of other people to say goodbye to Grogu when Grogu went to Luke's Jedi Academy. Because he did that, the armorer kicked him out and said, you're not a Mandalorian anymore. There is a path to redemption, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think, this is just a speculation, that Nando will go on this quest to redeem himself, but ultimately reject it. Because he'll discover that he doesn't need to follow this interpretation of the creed, this dogma. But like I said, he destroys the creature. He does something the Mandalorians could not. Because he's willing to change and be flexible. And they are not. Okay, so Mando visits the armorer in the cave. And he says, how can I redeem myself? And she's like, well, you can't. Because... I kicked you out because you took off your helmet. He reminds her that the creed talks about redemption. And the only way he can be redeemed is to, I guess, wash himself in the waters in the mines on Mandalore. You know, living waters or something like that. And she doesn't think that that's possible. Because the armor believes that Mandalore 
that the planet has been completely decimated. And there's no way anyone could go back there. But Dan tells her that he got a piece of crystal from somebody who visited Mandalore. And she's like, well, this proves that the planet's been made completely uninhabitable. But Mandel's like, well, somebody went there so clearly it's not uninhabitable. So he says, I'm going to travel to Mandalore and find the mines and the living waters, wash myself in them, and be redeemed. And the armor's like, okay. Now, it's an interesting bit where the armor turns and she looks at Grogu. What is going on in that book? I don't really know, but I'm thinking that she's looking at Grogu and thinking, you know, I don't know, maybe she's slightly rethinking her ways. Thinking that Mando did something for his foundling that maybe is not bad. It wasn't wrong of him to take off his helmet. I don't know what she's thinking in this moment. But uh, there's something going on, I think. Because she's silent as she does so. So we'll see what that means. Now, okay, next scene. They travel through hyperspace to the planet Navarro. And guess what? While they're in hyperspace, Mando's asleep. The Grogu looks around outside. And he sees... In their hyperspace um, tunnel, some alien creatures that look like whales. These are called the Pergil. Now, I don't want to waste too much time, but I'll just say this. In Star Wars Rebels, the cartoon series, the main character, Ezra Bridger, has a remarkable connection with animals through the force. In one episode, they encounter the Pergil, which are space-traveling, they're like squid whales. And the Pergil have the ability, the natural ability, I guess, through the force, to travel through hyperspace. Um, and they may have inspired the inhabitants of the galaxy to research hyperdrive a long time ago. Anyhow, in the final episode of Rebels, when the Rebel crew is facing Grand Admiral Thrawn, Ezra is captured by Thrawn. But as he's facing off with Thrawn, on the bridge of Thrawn's Star Destroyer. Ezra uses the Force to call the Purgle out of hyperspace. They attack Thrawn's fleet. They destroy some of the ships. And others, like Thrawn's flagship, they wrap their tentacles around the ship and jump to hyperspace 
to parts of the galaxy unknown. With Thrawn and with Ezra. With them. And so the Ahsoka series, which is going to come out later this year, will be about Ahsoka and Ezra's fellow rebel, Sabine Wren. Ahsoka and Sabine are going to go in search of Ezra and Grand Admiral Thrawn. So long story short, that's at the Pergolar. Okay, so we get to Navarro. Navarro looks even more amazing because when we first went to Navarro in uh, season one, it was a dump. Now that the Imperial Remnant has been kicked off of Navarro, Grief Karga has now been able to make Navarro City a paradise. And he meets Grief Karga, and Grief, of course, played by the incomparable Carl Weathers, larger than life than ever, now wearing a ridiculous cape, with two little droids carrying the train of his cape. Absolutely brilliant. And, you know, Karga tells him that they've been mining the asteroid field in the, in the system. And there's a big construction boom. He offers Nando to live there. But Nando's like, he can't settle down because he's on a quest. Then they meet some pirates. With the character of Vane. The makeup work on this character is extraordinary. Anyhow, Vane is standing outside what used to be a school. Oh, sorry, what used to be a bar, and now it's a school. And they're not happy about that. So they get in sort of an argument with Grief Karga. Yet again, a bar has been turned into a school. The concept of change and remaking yourself. You know, there's, there's a gunfight. Karga is really fast and he kills all of Vane's sidekicks. And Vane, Vane is a lieutenant to the pirate captain Gorian Shard. And he tells, Karga tells Vane, this planet is not friendly to pirates. So Vane leaves with that message. And Karga's like, this is a respectable planet. Yet again, changing from the dump to a respectable world on a trade route with great construction boom, it's all about changing yourself. Um, we learned that Muff Gideon was sent to a New Republic war crime tribunal. We learned that Cara Dune was recruited by the New Republic Special Forces. And, you know, Karga's like, you know, you can join me as a marshal of this city. And Din's like, and Mando's like, you know, I can't do that. And he says, 
Why don't you let the New Republic help? Grief, grief Congress, like, we don't want to bow down to another bureaucracy. He wants the world to be an independent state, basically. You know, so he's not willing to really join the New Republic because I think of what the Empire did to the planet. He's probably terribly reluctant. So in Navarro City, there is a statue of IG-11. Yes. Made from some of the parts they recovered after IG-11 blew himself up. Now, um, Mando wants a droid to help him. And he only trusts IG-11. Because, as we know, he doesn't really trust droids. But IG-11 was a droid he did trust. So he wants to take the pieces of IG-11 and rebuild him. And this is where we run into the Anzellans. Now, if you don't know what the Anzellans are, remember the... Remember Babu Frick in the Rise of Skywalker. He was that little alien that helped them adjust C-3PO's uh, or basically reset C-3PO. Yeah, so they have their own little workshop. Little, little practical puppets. It's so great. Yet again, some pretty amazing practical effects. And uh, they help Mandel try to reactivate IG-11, but IG-11 has gone back to his original programming to kill Grogu. However, they were able to stop him, and um, they need a memory circuit for IG-11, thus providing Mandel with another quest. And he's going to go look for one. So anyhow, going back to your original programming reminds me of Luke and Han in The Force Awakens. Because of the trauma of losing Ben Solo to the dark side and to Kylo Ren, Leia went back to doing what she did, being a leader of the resistance, a military leader. Han went back to being a smuggler. So part of the theme of change is that sometimes it's very easy to fall back on old habits. It's very easy and it's very hard to change sometimes because you easily slip back into the way things used to be. And change requires constant work. Change isn't a one-time event. Heaven knows, I've fallen back on bad habits so many times that I say to myself, I'm going to change. I'm going to spend each day writing a part of my science fiction novel. Well, guess what? That never happened. So it's very easy to fall back on old habits. Okay, so... 
they leave the planet and travel through the asteroid field of the Navarro. But Vane, the pirate, as a symbol, a, uh, a squadron of pirate fighters, and they try to shoot down Mando through a great chasing to an asteroid field, very reminiscent of the asteroid chase in The Empire Strikes Back, as well as the asteroid chase in Attack of the Clones. So there's a lot of that, and we finally see Captain Shard. Captain Shard looks like if Davy Jones had a baby with Swamp Thing. That's what Captain Ashan looks like. What Captain Shard looks like. A really unique look. Amazing. And you know, but Dean gets the better of the pirates. He destroys the pirate squadron. And he gets away from Captain Shard, who is definitely got a vendetta. And Captain Shard's ship looks really cool, by the way. It looks like a Mobius artwork. Okay. Then they travel to Calavella. Calavella is the home planet of Bo-Katan. And her sister, Satine, who once was the ruler of Mandalore. Uh, we'll probably have to do a whole episode about Satine. So they travel to Calavella, which is in the Mandalore system. And they travel to the Kree's family castle. Bokatan Kree's, Satine Kree's, their family's castle. There's a big throne room where Bokatan is just lounging. Like she's just lost all hope. And has no hope that things can change. Yet again, the theme of change. In her case, she has no hope. Because she didn't get the Darksaber, a lot of their followers left her. Some became mercenaries, some went back to the Children of the Watch. At least that's my fan theory. And she's like, well, you've got to unite our people then. Because they're not going to follow me. And it's funny because she was so patriotic and nationalistic almost about her Mandalorian heritage in season two of Mandalorian. But here, because she's been abandoned, she's lost all hope. She's living in an empty castle. Looks like just her and her servant droid. And, you know, there's all these divisions among Mandalorians, and she has lost all faith that things can ever change. And so she tells Mando, just go home and don't worry about it. There's nothing left to even think about. But Mando tells her, I'm going to Mandalore to bathe in the living waters. And Bo-Katan's like, there's nothing magical about that. It's all just silly nonsense. 
She's like, it's just superstition. Amanda reminds her that she said, you didn't believe in all that stuff about Mandalore being cursed. So now she seems to believe in it. He's like, make up your mind. So she finally says, okay, if you want to bathe in the living waters of the mines of Mandalore, you need to go to the ruins of the capital city underneath the civic center. But she doesn't have any faith that Manda will find anything. So she's convinced, like so many other people are, that Mandalore is uninhabitable. But Nando says he's going to find out. And that's the end of the episode. Okay. This episode does a lot of setting up for the season. And I believe that this is going to be a story arc driven season more than individual episodes. Um, that might not work for people who are used to the episodic nature, but it works for me. I love that we're seeing an expanded palette of the universe. Season one started off slow. And now we're expanding the universe because they have the money and they have the resources. By the way, the technology they used to bring this world to life, I don't know if they did location filming or if it was all on green screen, but it's brilliant. And I think it looks better than it ever has. A lot of great, some action cues with the space dogfight. Great to see a fighter squadron of pirates. So great to see Grogu again. That N1 Starfighter is so cool. And the whole idea, as I said, the theme of change. That you can change and also that it's hard to change sometimes. So we now have the quest. We know what Nando's going to do. He's looking through a memory circuit through IG-11 so that he can recruit IG-11 to come with him to Mandalore. I am so excited to see where it goes from here. I love Pedro Pascal, who's having a... He's on the top of the world right now. Grogu has never been cuter, and I love seeing more Mandalorians. An expanded world of Navarro. Brief Karga, I mean, Carl Weathers, gosh. How did we have Star Wars for so many years without Apollo Creed himself? And the character of Gorian Shard is one of the most interesting looking Star Wars characters we've seen in a while. So visually, the episode's extraordinary. I love what it's doing to set up where the story's going to go. And that right off the bat, it's giving us the themes of the show. I'd love to discuss the themes. And if you want more on that, go and listen to the Four Center podcast.
Okay, folks. Great episode. I cannot wait to see where we go next. If I have any complaint, it's that the music, which is not done by Ludwig Goranson, doesn't quite have the same punch. Yet again, maybe that's the nitpick. That is the only thing I really didn't like. So, we have our quest right off the bat. We hit the ground running. I'm so excited to see, and I'm so glad that they set up the overall goal of the season right off the bat. I love that. They didn't really waste any time with that. Okay, folks. Those are my thoughts. Let me know what you think. My name is Brendan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. Thank you for tuning in to Mando Mondays. Presented by Page Turners, They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. <laughs>